This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Total Lawn. Total Lawn provides scientifically engineered lawn care products to homeowners, hobbyists and lawn care professionals. Their range of fertilisers and biostimulants will keep your lawn looking lush, green and moss-free all year round. I use Total Lawn products for my customers and on my own lawn, and I think you should too. The team at Total Lawn put quality above anything else when they're producing their lawn feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely if ever used by their competitors to give you the best lawn possible. Try Total Lawn today at totallawn.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Lawn are so confident in their products that you can use them on your lawn and if you're not happy with the results, you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totallawn.co.uk and transform your lawn. Hello everyone and welcome back to another J-Rocks Lawn Care and Gardening podcast. Here we are again, another interview with Chris, the Country Cottage Gardener. So this is episode number 39 that we're on now, almost at the 40 point, but here we go, plowing on through these podcasts. So, Chris, welcome. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Sam. Thank you very much for having us. I'm doing great. Cheers. Happy days. No, it's um, it's been fantastic to have you on. I, I think we mentioned it a little while ago and um, just trying to find dates and, and get everything together and the stars aligning. Um, it seems to be a bit of a trouble sometimes, but no, it's great to have you on and be able to sort of share your experience with others. Thanks very much. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty manic times at the moment. I mean, we're coming up to the busy time anyway, you know, with the spring coming upon us. But um, the storms have really pushed it forward for me a little bit at the moment as well. It's really, you know, turned up the pressure a little bit on uh, getting that extra work out. It's strange, that, isn't it, that you can go from having your standard services that you'd offer week in, week out regardless, but then something like a storm happening you I, I almost personally forget sometimes that it pushes you into that category, especially yourself more doing the fences and everything that you're doing, what we'll speak about more. But um forget about all it takes is a storm to have storm damage and just something natural, you know what I mean, to happen. I can then all of a sudden ramp up the calls and, you know, like you say, put the pressure on really. Yeah, for sure. I mean uh, I mean for for myself, I've never really done like Facebook advertising, it's not something I really dipped into. And um, the, the house where I'm at at the moment is a, a new build estate. It's only seven years old. And, uh, was, you know, you get these local groups, you know, you have like your your little cluster of people. Yeah. Um, I literally threw up a message saying, you know, I'm going to go out on Monday and do a couple of quotes if anybody wants any uh, repairs or whatever replacements done. And... Um, yeah, on, on that Monday, so we had the, the storms on the Friday and then we had a little bit tickling on the Saturday. I ended up doing 33 quotes in one day. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I phoned up my regular customer and said, look, I, this is the situation. Do you mind if I move you on to the Thursday this week? And I'll, um, because I, I, it, it's surprising when you get that sort of influx if you start dotting them around, you can be unproductive. You know, you're whipping here, you're whipping there. I yeah. thought, do it all in one day and, you know, get it done. But uh, it didn't go to plan because 33 turned into something like 56 because you'd get to a job and it'd be like, oh, my neighbours, 
oh this one over here as well or can you also do my shed roof you know yeah. like the, the felt would come off i even had one person flag me down as i was driving down the street to a quote uh, you know they see fencing wow. along the side of the van yeah yeah um so it's pretty manic pretty manic yeah definitely and i think it's a f- the fact of like you say that even 33 i mean that's a big number in one day jeez but for for that to naturally then turn you know in the way that it has and i mean as anyone will know that's listening that deals with any sort of estate work you know all it takes is a bit of word of mouth and a bit of trust and then you're there, you know what I mean? So if they know that you're t- doing all these properties and you're speaking to John from across the street and Laura down the road, then, mm. you know, it's no surprise that it's then picked up. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these, well, yeah, all of those ones were new clients. Um, and it actually, funny enough, for the for my YouTube channel, I have got the video of me hopping in and out of the van as I'm viewing all of these jobs. So it's something I've still got to edit. Right. But uh, yes, yeah, so I thought I thought would it would it be interest to people of probably the most manic video that because if anybody's familiar with my channel, it, it, I mean we were chatting earlier on. I'm probably renowned for doing the more relaxed type of videos and whatever. Yeah. Um, but I thought would people be interested in me literally going around like a amazon driver for the day smashing in and out the van you know, uh, going because i looked at my google maps afterwards and i was like wow i've done some miles in such a short short space yeah it was just it was just crazy um so i've got to edit that but because i'm now doing the jobs because what i've done in the video is i'm going well what i'm going to do when i edit it is say the value of what that job i viewed would be yeah and put that up on the screen and because i'm already doing some of these jobs um i'm going to put up a picture of the finished job as well so it might take a little while because i'm booked up for now about six weeks with all these fencing jobs um but i think it might make an interesting video for people and it's uh it's a different different concept for my channel for sure no, definitely. I think, um, and how you said about the price and stuff like that, I think it's such a big thing because, and I've said this before in prior podcasts, but it seems to almost be a bit, people are a bit sketchy of it normally, you know, sometimes people don't want to share the prices and, and whether that's because they're scared if they're wrong or because they're scared that someone's going to undercut them that lives 200 miles away. I have no idea. But, um, yeah. you know, people want to know what that is so i've always said you know whatever if someone's asked asked me how much did that job cost you know some some people on there you know say oh i wouldn't there's no point me telling you because it'll be different for you than what it is for me that that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but you know i always just say it and then it's normally followed by a couple of questions of maybe how did you break that down or what to be fair causes more work like them sort of questions online you know you can be sat there with an hour for an hour with someone you know talking about yeah. your own price breakdown basically double yeah, quote and um mm. but yeah people are interested in it like these different takes on content i think it, it can only be good for for what we're doing you know yeah I, I think myself i've always run my company very different from what i see other people and it's only become more apparent as i've thrown myself into social media more over the last few years that i'm realizing that my the way that I run my business is completely different from everybody else. And my client base is completely different. I'm almost, you know, I wouldn't say unique. So I'm sure there's going to be other people 
out there and I'll, I'll probably I'll tell people about how I work in a second because it'll be it'll make it more relevant as such but um I mean with things like the pricing when I go and price a fencing job up for example I itemize absolutely everything including my labor it, they I've been told sometimes that my quotes can be a bit anal <laughs> because <laughs> it will be down to the fixings and the price that I'll use on fixings, the price for gravel boards, the amount of gravel boards, the amount of concrete that I'll use, the price on concrete, every little thing is broken down. And the, the price that I pay on materials is the price that the cut loan pays for materials. So if I get a discount, they get a discount. Okay. And they know exactly how much they're getting charged on labour, how much they're getting charged on waste. And this can drive people in the trade extremely up the wall and they're like why are you doing this why are you not keeping that extra money and i'm very honest with the client and say the only money i'm making on the job is in my labor yeah um and it drives my, my brother's a plumber and he's passed words with me a few times where he said you know i'm adding five ten percent on top of everything that i'm buying you know material wise and i have this conversation when i go to view the jobs i say the price I pay is the price you pay. The only money I make out of a job is that figure there. Yeah. And that wins me more jobs because if they say, if somebody else just puts a single price to the client, I'll say, well, that might be cheaper, but it's not necessarily a like for like quote. And the way you can make my quote cheaper is by switching out those panels, which is X price to those panels, which is the cheaper price. That's how you can get a cheaper one. The thing that will never change unless a job changes is my labor. Yeah. That wins me more work. So out of those quotes, so the 33 that I went to, to see out of those, I've got 27 of them. That's a fantastic conversion rate there. It, it is. And a lot of the people, and I haven't changed my price. I haven't put it up from last year. You know, and I, I've, I kept on putting up my price until my job started getting rejected. Yeah. And then I knew that I had to back it off slightly. And then I kind of gauged to where everybody else was. So with all these jobs, I went in at my normal price, my normal labor price, um, which say for a, a six panel replacement, I don't mind saying a six panel replacement. So that's six bays of six foot is 240 pounds. Right. And I know that I can easily do that myself on a day and it goes up to three, 320 if it's going to be concrete. Right. And I know that I can easily do that on a day um, on my own. But six bays is quite, it's going some, you know, you've got to have yeah. good ground. Um, so you kind of have this buffer behind you of, you know, it could roll on to extra time, but if, if you're aware client that, it can roll on to extra time, then that has to be taken into consideration. It's, it's, it's being completely clear and honest with the client about everything. Yeah. And I think you can kind of gauge that trust when you're going, here's your quote, here's the website, you can see the price. Yeah. You can't argue it. You can, there's nothing to argue with. The only, the only way that they want it cheaper is your labour. And it sounds a bit cheeky, but if they're asking for a cheaper price, I've actually said to a client before, what you're effectively asking me by asking for a cheaper price is how much I don't want to eat next week. 
Yeah. Because you know, that's yeah. fundamentally, you know, fundamentally what it is. You're, you're taking the money out my pocket. I'm not making money on anything else. Yeah. No, and you're completely right there because, and a lot of people do do it. And I, I've said this previously. I think it was my last podcast when I spoke that I'd been on a like basically a patio hard hardscaping group, and mm. these kind of questions often get thrown out there. And I don't do anything with hard land, uh, hard landscaping at all, but. You know, I'm on there and I just like to eavesdrop on it. But guys often say they raise materials by 50%, you know, and, and they, they make money on the materials. So what I'm mm-hmm. guessing is probably dropped a little bit considering how much the prices of everything have went up. But still, the, yeah. you know, the fact of everyone's doing that, um, you know, you, you can't keep on at that rate. I mean, for example, I mean, I know things have changed and prices have changed, but, you know, my mother paid, it was a few hundred pounds for a fence 12 years ago. And I'm talking, it must have been, I think she said 360, about 12 years ago. This, that same fence got knocked down in Storm Orwin, I think it was. She got replaced two weeks ago and it cost about, um, it was just over a grand. So, you know, yeah. what I believe is about, you know, £120 a, um, a metre, I think it was. It was nine metre fence. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, everything is going up. And the thing is, is you're doing it in such a way that it's fair by you. You're happy with, you make good money from and, you know, the client can be happy. You start upping all your materials by 50% or 30 or 10, you know, there's a good bit extra money there, especially on a bigger job, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite business, oh, I'm not business minded at all. What am I saying? That's completely, <laughs> completely hash. I mean, we can work a chat until the cows come home. I am the most unbusiness person in, in, because I lead with my heart, which is a real downfall. Um, I've priced jobs before because I've lo- I've wanted to do the job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rather than thinking about the money, which is a terrible way to work. Don't ever do that. But you know, that, that's that's where you leave with your heart rather than your mind. But what I tend to do also is, a couple of years ago, I was getting so close to the VAT threshold because yeah. I was having all these material costs going through my limited business. So what I've got is I've built up a really good rapport with my suppliers. Now, it doesn't just have to be fencing stuff. It can be my plant nurseries or it could be um, the artificial grass people. Not that I tend to do much of that, but I keep these relationships going. Yeah. I keep I keep in with them and I get my clients to pay for materials directly to them to keep the money out of my accounts. Yeah. And that way it keeps me below the VAT threshold. So a lot of my business, my competitors that say in the area are paying that extra twenty percent, so automatically I'm cheaper. Is that 20%. not getting? Is that not getting written off though, as soon as you put it through as an expense? You still, once you hit that that threshold, whether it, it's um, it's all the money through the books, right? So whether I'm hitting it, if it's money in my pocket or if it's just money coming in at all, that's that twenty percent, yeah. So for for me, by keeping that down, it's been a real, it's been a real beneficial, uh, you know, sort of way into business as such. And you know what? Like to be in all honesty as well here, for a client just to have to make a phone call and say, Chris has told me to ring you. Um, you know, it's order for this address. Uh, can yeah. I pay the bill, please? You know, it's not that much extra work for a client to do. Yeah, what, I mean, I... sorry, go on. I was going to say, I even have my suppliers phone the customers directly. Okay. And I give them both a reference number for each end, and they marry them up just so they know who it is. So they literally, it's no different from them 
And a lot of them prefer it because then they've only got one back to do at the end or a card payment for me for labour at the end or waste away. Yeah. And or both. And they don't they don't they don't care to be honest because they're saving so much more money. But that it's a great way to do it because not even just that, but if you got a bad client that then refuse to pay materials or, you know, what, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it, it completely offloads that to you. So you yeah. just need to worry about the work on the day and obviously that they've had that phone call to make sure the materials will be there at the right time on the right day. But, well, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's a great way to do it, if you ask me. It's a stress reliever because I used to worry a, a heck of a lot. And also with the bigger deliver- with the bigger jobs now, I have everything delivered. I don't have to stress about you know, uh, things get into sight. Um, I generally have them the day before delivered. Yeah. Um, I don't have to worry about picking things up and all that sort of thing. It's the same with my waste. I don't take waste away from any jobs now. I have um, relationships with waste carriers yeah. and uh, they come along, they collect it from the property at the day that I'm there, if not the day later. And I pay them straight away. Um, so I haven't got to, I haven't got downtime going to the tip i haven't got downtime having to to worry about getting somewhere and offloading it because the next day i've got tools that need to be in the van yeah um it it might add a little bit extra on to the bill but i can't say i've ever had anyone turn it away because i'm not taking the waste away yeah um i tend to do three offers for for waste one it gets collected two um i can take it away um there and then but the price is not as keen for them or three i'll make it manageable for them to take it to the local tip for free yeah and most of the time they they will handle it themselves Um, and can i just add there that that's a brilliant thing that you you just said there so even though it'll cost you as a person less to take it to the tip Right, but you mm-hmm. could still make money on it. Let's just say you know, fifty quid waste charge plus whatever it costs you to uh, do it, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be, you're charging higher over the. F- and this is what I think a lot of people need to realize, especially in the beginning when they're starting out. You're charging higher for that service simply because, quite frankly, in a nutshell, you don't want to do it or it's it's undesirable. Exactly therefore, that. Therefore, it co- it costs more, and yeah. it, it's a realist like the. The realism of it is, is that things don't have to cost more just because they're worth more. You know, it's what's down to your time. And if, for example, when I charge jobs, I charge in the, sorry, in the beginning, I charged quite cheap for like little de-weeding jobs when I was just starting out. And, and I thought, yeah, that's fine because I'm not using any tools. I'm not, but I find it backbreaking, you know, spending an hour and a half, two hours on my hands and knees picking weeds Mm. from paving. You know, so I charge that just as much as what I maybe would when I've got a tool in my hand. And whether that's mm-hmm. right or wrong by any other business, it breaks my back. Like, so, you know, to <laughs> me, to me personally, that's worth, you know, a higher amount because it's just undesirable. I don't, I don't need that. Um, For sure. So it's great that you said that because, you know, it's, it is, it's something that people should be conscious of. If they don't want to do it, you don't necessarily have to turn it away. But just put a price on it where you're happy if they refuse it. And if they do yeah. it, you're happy I, I call it inconvenience tax. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, <laughs> you know, it's an inconvenience tax. I, 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 my time at home is more precious than an extra 30 quid, if I'm honest. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've priced that job already enough for me to be satisfied with with the job, you know, for an example. Yeah. And um, I, I because my I'm so busy all the time. Um, that that time that I get at home is more precious to me than a, than a couple of extra quid. I've nah, as I say, the businessman is is bad in me because I've never been money driven. I've yeah. never been, you know, that I, I like money. Of course, I like money, and I like the things and the toys that yeah. I can get with it, and the and the nice days and the nice things I can buy. But but before I did this, I had years of sales and marketing and customer service in offices yeah and that was all quite pressurized um so when you become self-employed and you don't have to do something like that i was like fuck it i won't i don't have to do it i won't do it yeah, yeah. and that's why i'm so bad with paperwork and that's why i'm sitting here thinking oh my bill my uh my accounts got to be in soon i'd um better start them <laughs> so <Wow>. <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm terrible and it yeah. drives people it drives my wife up the wall because if it wasn't for her keeping track on certain things in our personal accounting lives, I'll be well and truly down the drain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm terrible with paperwork and I'm sure there's loads of people who can relate to it. It just doesn't, doesn't interest me. It doesn't, but but there we are. So you mentioned there a bit about what you did prior. So what actually brought you, what what was it fully that you did before gardening? Okay. What was it that actually interested you in starting this venture? So, as I said to you before we started, Sam, I can kind of go off on a tangent. So try and reel me back in if I do. But, <laughs> no, but, no to, begin, but to give people sort of insight into me, this is my 11th year legally tra- uh, trading as Country Cottage Gardens. Um, so I left school when I was 15. Um I had some unfortunate circumstances where at that age, I actually um, started living on my own. I, um, my, my parents divorced when I was very young. And anyway, I won't go into that sort of side massively, but 15, I ended up living alone and I started doing an apprenticeship as a chef in a bistro. I worked from Tuesday to uh, Saturdays, eight thirty in the morning till four, and going back at um, half five, and it would then be till about oh I don't know twelve to one o'clock in the morning. Wow! Um, and this apprenticeship was paying me eighty three pounds a week, and I was giving fifty quid back to the head chef to rent the room above the restaurant. So wow. <laughs> it was it was you know, yeah. So at fifteen years old, I. Um, I had, you know, washed my own pants at that stage. You know, I was, I was well and truly wet for many years. So it's a bit of a, a bit of an awakening to that side of life. Um, but I, I trod water with that for a, for a few years, um, and then I managed to get the courage to sort of move away from it. Um, and I went into sales, and I went into sales for a food company, a frozen food company. Um, Worked my way up there, ended up looking after the National Health Service accounts. And I was on something like, I don't know, it was one and a half million pound target a month in sales. Wow. Um, yeah, it's got quite good, quite good bonuses from it. Um, 
And then from that sales, I went to another competitor and I ran a, a business development team and desperately unhappy with it all. Hated it. Hated, you know, the pressure of it. I hated the office environment. What got to me most was small things which were blown out of proportion on a daily basis. You know, like yeah. Janice is having a hot flush in the corner, so she's moaning about, you know, the window not being open. Or Doris is over there and she's moaning because Liam's licked her cup or whatever. And you think, oh, someone's stolen the yogurt. And you think, oh, for f- you know, these small things that just get to you, you know, they draw you yeah. down, they just drag you, and you just think this is unnecessary. Um, in this time, I've met. Uh, who's now my wife Sophie and she was going through education and um, long story short she qualified and supported me whilst I started up you know the the business um, and that all came about because I say my parents broke up when I was young and my grandparents had a massive influence on my upbringing yeah um, if you can imagine a peter rabbit style cottage garden it had a little bit of woodland deep green lush rolling lawns these um curved herbaceous borders which were very typicalistic of small stuff at the front getting taller all the big evergreen shrubs at the back uh walled gardens veg gardens long big gravel driveway you know it was just a very yeah. picturesque place and i would totter along behind my my nana and push the mower push the hater uh, up and down and put the stripes in and my granddad would be in the garage tinkering away trying to fix something which typically wouldn't get fixed so it'd end up broken <laughs> but he would you know microwave would have every screw and bolt taken out of it to make sure they you know got fully used yeah nothing went to waste um and this was all in village life um in the summer holidays i was underneath their feet uh, they were they um, they were self-employed. They had a, a butcher's shop. And they pushed me out into the community, and I used to go out at you know uh, eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, and wash cars. Or it, a lot of it was um, it mainly weeding at that time. Yeah. I re- didn't really get any power tools in my hand until a little bit older, um, but. It was always installed if you wanted to earn money, you went out. If you wanted money and you wanted things, you'd go out and earn it. I mean, at 13, I also had two paper rounds. I was um, I was out doing um, a morning round for the local corner shop. And what was the ad scene? I don't even know if they're still about, but that was a Friday, a Friday free paper. Right. And, um, yeah, so it was always installed, this work ethic. My grandparents had this fantastic way of... If you want these nice things, you, you you know, you don't get given anything. Nothing's free in this world. And if it is, then it's, you know, it comes with some sort of price tag somewhere along the line. That's, um, uh, it's, it sounds like you've had a really, you know, obviously I understand very hard in the beginning, like you're saying there on that very difficult time. Um, well, I fully understand. But it sounds like the, the experience you had with your grandparents seemed to really sort of set the foundations almost to what you're doing yeah. you know like i can see how that that attaches because it shows something that 
for you to bring that up, it obviously holds a you know a very solid place in your heart, and you know I can I can sense that while you're talking about it. Um, yeah, you, you know it, it's great that that's been able to carry through. You know, yeah, they were my life. Um, they were absolutely everything to me. Um, unfortunately, they've both both passed on now, and um, but I've got you know the, the memories and the, the the circumstances. I mean. When uh, I could go into it all a lot, very in detail and personal, but I don't think it's totally necessary. Um, but they they were a massive part of my life. They installed a lot of. They are the reason that I garden. My yeah. nana was the gardener, and my granddad was the donkey. And when <laughs> my nan died, she died with a very. <laughs> her finger was worn out where she would point it at what she wanted moved where right. she wanted the whole dug you know <laughs> that's yeah so I, my granddad was the donkey that did the work and my nana was the the uh the driving force for it yeah and um that, that they installed that into me so i believe that my creativity and my drive for doing things um for myself comes from my granddad and the passion and the love for gardening definitely comes from my nana definitely yeah. comes from her without a shadow of a doubt it's fantastic that you've been able to pull them through them sort of them traits hobbies and you know what what is now a lifestyle for you you know so with that what you've pulled through is that what is your focus with your business is it what side of gardening i mean obviously you've touched on fences quite a bit there at the beginning like where does this yeah. stop you know what's the whole range of your your company so for me, I've always gone for the premium client. I've always gone for the now. When I very first started, I tried doing the typical mower round, and this is I know yours is primarily a lawn care sort of thing, but I'll, I'll kind of get the elephant out of the room with me here. <laughs> you said that you don't like <laughs> um, the weeding and things like that. Yeah, I I love that because I like being in the borders and I like seeing the little critters running around like i could bore you about uh wood lice and how they shed their exoskeletons every 30 days and they eat it because they like the protein in it and things like that oh, right, well. and i like seeing <laughs> yeah and i love seeing and this is kind of my obsessive sort of nature about things when i see something i want to know and think about it yeah but i love that and the elephant in the room is i don't really have a care for lawn mowing i don't have, really have a care for um the the just the general lawn care I, I it doesn't give me the fizz if i'm honest yeah but this is where everybody i but i can appreciate it don't get me wrong i can appreciate the effort and the time and the skills that it takes to get a lawn into what it is but i was brought up with lawns yes they can look beautiful green but i've got brought up with their lawns of mini meadows yeah. And it's nice to have the biodiversity within the uh, the lawns and seeing the daisies. I remember lying on my, my chest on warm summer holidays and making daisy chains Yeah, and, uh, you know, putting in buttercups and pretending they're jewels and things like that. No. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can and, – and, again, I I think everyone that's into some form of, like, some, you know – part of this this world you know that we're doing within gardening or working within garden environments is you can 
appreciate all sides of beauty. You know what I mean? How, and if that's a, you know, a weedless garden and uh, sorry, a weedless lawn and it, you know, it's flush and green, brilliant. And like you say, if it's more of a meadow type, you know, there's, there's a pure beauty that everything brings and all the wildlife that that brings as well. Now, sure. just yeah. a little, uh, a, a side note on that. When I spoke about hate and de-weeding, I stick by that when it's at yours, is what I mentioned. You know, yeah. being, being in borders more more um, specifically on hopefully some softer ground. I really don't yeah. mind. You know, I can have a podcast in and, you know, I can go away to the world and I find it quite therapeutic. But being on concrete and doing it between the gaps of uh, slabs and stuff is is something I hate. Like, it's not, it's yeah. not something I really enjoy at that point. But sure yeah it's it's i think this is the whole thing about that we i mean it's a whole broad spectrum within gardening and lawn care there's a whole there's always going to be something that people don't enjoy and um walking up and down with a, a mower for me doesn't stimulate my mind um i've always got something on the thoughts i've always got something going on mm-hmm. and i kind of feel a little bit empty if i don't have something going on um so that's all it is. I, I describe it as the fizz. It just doesn't give me. I don't get. I won't wake up in the morning and think, "Yes, I'm going to go push that mower again." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but it's different. If I get onto the tractor mower, I like that. I yeah. like the tractor mower. That's that's uh, that's a different kettle of fish for me. Um, but yeah, I mean. But anyway, sorry, I've digressed once again. So <laughs> my my typical clientele. If anybody's watched my YouTube, I have, I think it's eight clients. Um, I don't tend to go by how long something would take. I, I generally look at my clients in acreage. Um, I do have a couple of small clients, um, but that's because... I've done a landscape project for them and I have like an hour where I can slot, slot them in. And I, I've got an affinity with the client, you know, I've built a nice relationship with them in the sense of, um, they might phone me up if say the spouse is poorly and they need something doing, I quite happily go over and help with something a bit. I don't like the term above and beyond. Um, but it's it's the friendly thing. I'm never. I'm, I'll do something beyond the call, but I do it because it's a nice thing to do. It sounds corny. No, no, I, get, I fully get. It. it is basically above and beyond, but but not. Yeah, I get it. You're doing yeah. it just because you know the kindness of your heart. Almost, it's a nice what thing to right. do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think it's such. A, but this is the bad businessman in me as well because. I don't see everything as what you do as a chargeable factor. You are allowed to do things which are just nice, you know, and it it kind of is one of the things that infuriates me about social media is people that might let's draw up an image. I'm sure we've all seen these of somebody. I'm going to go buy this McDonald's and give it to this down and out person. I'm going to film myself going to give this tramp. 50 quid i think that's lovely well done you but you don't need to promote it you're looking for your self-gratification from other people yeah um it's it's something that kind of grinds my gears a little bit um 
but there we are. Sorry, Sam, I've kind of gone off on another tangent. No, 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 <laughs> no that's absolutely fine, mate. No, it's uh, it's just interesting to hear your thoughts on it because it it is all still linked. It's um, it shows that there's many ways, and there's also not many wrong ways that you can run your business. And if if something sits right by you, then that's really it's the only only really thing that you can ask for because yes, it's good and bad, and you know I'm not on about the whole parameters of it, but what I mean is, if that's the way you want to ruin uh, ruin it, if that's the way you want to run it, then there's nothing stopping you running it that way. You yeah, um, I I've kind of always looked to my clients as friendly but not friends. Yeah, uh, we talk. Um, we talk about each other's family, things we've done at the weekend, things we're going to do. Um, but I wouldn't invite them around for a coffee. No. You know, not unless they're delivering my check. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you know, it's friendly but not friends because you don't want to overstep that boundary. You know, at the end of the day, you are still there to provide a service. Although I do tell my clients that whilst I'm in their garden, it's not their garden. They, they don't own that property. I own eight one and a half million pound properties you know, <laughs> because when i'm there it's mine and i wouldn't do anything in that garden i wouldn't do it my own they all get treated with the same respect and the same sort of um, standard that i would strive to do anywhere else um and a lot of my clients i kind of have this understanding where they get told from the off that i will say if i think something's wrong um granted if they really insist that something should be cut back at that specific time then I'll, I'll, of course i'm bound to do it because they are paying my wage yeah. but uh, i think it's quite important to cement those sort of things that you want fundamentally at the beginning of any relationship and i'm guessing uh, that would be a that would be a breaker for you would it if someone was constantly that you know really nice people all the rest of it but if they had the aura in too much would that be something that would drive you away at the end of the season? Um, do you know what? I, I love that all of my clients are involved in their own gardens because as I said, at, the, at the beginning of my business, I tried, I tried doing the mower around. I tried hopping in and out of the van and doing all this very quickly and slamming out, you know, 30 lawns or whatever a day. Um, and I was doing work on gardens that people had no interest in at all. They weren't interested in developing them. They weren't interested in, you know, anything at all. You know, uh, a lot of them weren't interested in picking up their own dog eggs, let alone, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> let, let alone, um, you know, planting up some shrubs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Just keeping it down, me, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, for, for me, my idea of my clientele were, Grandma and Grandpa Wakelin's garden. Yeah, that, that's who I wanted to work for. That's the the clients I wanted to get, the ones that would give me not only twelve month uh, contracts, you know, not the ones that I can turn to, but ones that were willing to develop them, ones that I could learn from, because I've learned a heck of a lot from my clients. And I did notice about six years ago a switch where it's a role reversal. I suppose you could compare it to the child starting to look after their elderly parent where the change had happened for me, where the client was asking my opinion rather than telling me. And I noticed yeah. this with quite a few of my well-established clients. 
Um, so that's what I want to go for. I, and even today, I've been to a legacy customer, my oldest customer, and I've been doing some stock fencing for them. And uh, I said earlier on about starting a new client. I mentioned to this one I've been to today, I said, you know, I've got a bit of extra time. And they said, well, we're always happy for you to just turn up and do what extra and then bill us. A lot of mine are like that. They, I've got yeah. that trust where if then they're not going to be there next week, but I'll turn up, I'll do my work and I'll build them and they'll be happy as pie with it because we've built up that relationship. There's no question. They don't, they don't have CTTV. They're not going to, you know, ask me to phone them when I'm there and phone them when I leave or whatever. It's just built up trust. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned to them that I've got this time and they phoned up one of their friends who had always, sorry, my dog's whinging at me. Come on, Frank, up. Up. He wants to come up for a cuddle. He's a border terrier cross pug, and he has a whine, <laughs> but he's so <laughs> indecisive. Come on, up. He's just sitting here like a dopey old sod now. Sorry, Sam. No, so, um, yeah, they they phoned up one of their friends who had admired their garden, and unbeknown to me, they had been wanting me for a number of years. They've wanted my services, but they've always known that I've been so busy. But they made one phone call. I went and viewed it. We got on like a house on fire. And once the fencing work has quietened down, I'm going to be doing a whole day a week at this new property. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a gorgeous property. You've got, uh, I say, a six acre garden over three levels, bit of woodland, um, a, a boggy pond area, which is probably oh, nice. about. 200 square meter which i want to develop it she loves hostas so i'm already thinking well her hosta collection is going to get moved down into this pond area next to the deceased oast house which was there and there's an old <laughs> mill and they're always digging up millstones so i was thinking well that would make some really nice features if i could you know make some yeah. sundials or whatever out of those <laughs> um so it, it just goes around that you, you know i found that the the best cheapest well, the free form of getting new work is for your current work. Yeah. Speaking to your clients and saying, I've got a bit of time, if you know of anybody. Um, and generally, you know, people have pulled through for me. You yeah, know, some of them they, will come. Yeah, they're happy to recommend. I mean, people will recommend good people. And I think that's, uh, I think that's half of it. It's, it's half the battle. And, and it's something that you, you can't escape. You know, you can't that sense of when you meet someone for the first time and the way energies bounce off each other, you know, I always call it mirroring, um, you know, the way the energies bounce, you know, if you're going to get along with someone or, you know, if yeah. someone's going to be a bit troublesome or, you know, just yeah. if it's not sitting right. So the fact that you're able to go there and say, you look, we got on as a house on fire and, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be taking care of the garden. Mm-hmm. You, you can almost see the relationship from there, you know? And yeah, for sure. I, sorry. I was just going to say, and I think, half of it when people have these properties that they obviously want some form of um, not transformation, but progression to, you know, they don't want to try 10 different gardeners and, and find the person that's right. You know, I mean, yes, they will do that, but I mean, as in they, they'll want to be sure on you before they say, yes, come and work, you know? And um, I think people, I think self-employed people forget we have a choice for who we work for. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got 
as I say, a decade of stories I could tell about visiting clients. And, and I've actually walked away from quotes there and then I said, I'm sorry, but I don't think we would get on. Uh, I'm going to be spending a fair amount of time at your property. And I, I'm sorry, but I don't feel that we would, we would clash. And you and what, I. What's a reaction normally to that sort of thing? Generally quite upset because I've found that people, I mean, the one that stands out was this um, Irish gentleman and he was talking to his wife in an appalling way, saying to her, directing her as woman, woman yeah. make cups of tea, woman do this, woman go away while we, us men talk. Yeah. And that got my back up straight away. And I just think I can't work for somebody like that. But it's, it's how you this is one of the problems with social media is you can you can write something and it can be read in whatever tone you want in your head but when you're in front of somebody you can you can have those expressions and you can look the person in the eye you can be they can see how sincere you are with something yeah um so it's all how you deliver that information but fundamentally You don't want to put yourself in it. You see it time and time again with social media, especially as um, you know. I run this this professional Facebook this group for professional gardeners and um, landscapers, and you see this question come up: "This has happened on a job. What do I do?" And people forget that you do have a choice for who you work for. And I don't want to wake up in the morning and go, "Oh God, I've got to go to that person again because they're going to stand over me with a cup of coffee and watch me work." Or tell me I'm doing it wrong or my old gardener used to do it this way or whatever (laughs) you know know, and you think well your old gardener's not here anymore probably because of (laughs) sad to say it might be them they are the issue it wasn't the gardener I've been to many jobs where the client is the problem I'm not saying all of them are like that of course not but they are the problem not the gardener that's Um, always a horrible thing that you know, some customers push out, isn't it? Well, well, my old garden had done this. And like you say, there's yes. many reasons why they might might not be doing it anymore. And often you hear, oh, they've retired. And, and you know, that might that might be, you know, true a lot of the time. But I reckon some of the time as well, they've probably thought, I'm not doing this for any more years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've just went, look, mm-hmm. I'm retiring, I'm out. Um, yeah, for sure. It, it's a strange one because there's... I say that I've got quite a few screenshots of Facebook. I'm, generally, I, I know that I said earlier on I got this massive influx of quotes from Facebook. But generally, for me, I've found Facebook like fishing in a toilet. Yeah. Where you, you just know what you're going to get on the end of that hook if you fish in a toilet. Don't you? <laughs> where, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things where for my type of clientele, they're generally not on Facebook. They're not generally there to search for the type of service they want. Um, they are looking in the parish magazines. They are looking in the um, the, the golfing magazines, or they're looking, you know, um, in the shop windows of the cafe that they frequent for their ladies' lunch. You know, they're the sort of places that you know I've had more success than Facebook. Um, so it's very different but yeah I've, i know i had a chap work for me a few years ago and he'd done extremely well from facebook he picked up you know um a full round of mowing literally dust to dawn from yeah. facebook advertising but that's the type of market that he wanted that's the type of clients he he wanted in and out jobs 
Um, so it's yeah, everyone runs differently, don't they? I was going to say, I, th- I think, I th- oh, I think it's just, yeah, no, no, that, that's all good. Just been really loud. Um, yeah, I think it just shows that you can. Although times are changing, uh, and things like you know Facebook ads and all that sort of stuff is is very much at the, you know, it's it's out there. It's it's an easy way to advertise without you know leaving your room, um, all that good stuff. But it shows also not to knock the older ways of like you say putting it in, you know, whether it's cafes or garden centres or whatever it might be, because there's a whole range of different clients or even similar clients that are you know, go to all these different methods. Not everyone's looking at Facebook to, to see an ad pop up. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I've never really thought of that. I always just thought, oh, you know, kind of like the whole um, poster through the door idea. Maybe that's kind of passing now. But, you know, people have a lot of success with it still. And, you know, the great thing about it is they're going to see it. There's not 99.9% of the chance of time. They're going to be either putting that bit of paper in the bin Mm. And you know, probably taking a glance at it before they do, so you know that your ads at least getting, uh, you know, the eyes looked over before mm. you know, before the phone call hits or not. So the, you can be selective. The most, um, uh, I'd say the the cheapest but most effective adverts I had in the early days was a simple card, Biz- bigger than a business card but smaller than a. I'm trying to think what it would be that sort of card that you would get in a shop window. You know, like you get those plastic wallets where they sort of slip them in. Okay, right, yeah. Um, like a five yeah, almost. Something like that, yeah. Well, I had very basic printed up advert and I went round to all of the villages around and I'd go every month, every couple of weeks or whatever. And there was something like twenty P a week for the advert to be up and I would bulk purchase three months with this ad to go in the window. And they that was the cheapest, best way of getting new clients when I first started. Yeah. It was and that's when I'm talking about the mower rounds and so on and so forth. Um but once I got into a good clientele, that's when I sort of started doing, you know, um my whole landscaping side of things actually fell in accidentally. Um somebody there was a, an, an embankment of geranium rosanna and the geranium rosanna for those that don't know are basically a plant if you're in doubt of what to plant anywhere plant one of these because it will soon spread and it looks pretty and it smells nice but you know fundamentally it will take over a bit yeah. but there's this huge embankment of them and i happened to say to the client oh we could really do with some steps going down the middle and um, they said oh could you do it and i was like yeah sure why not? And I ended up doing these railway sleeper steps with inset concrete pebble, you know, the steps in them. Yeah. And they loved it. They had a dinner party and one of their friends said, oh, I'm wondering if he if he can do that, if he would be interested in doing some trellis work around our oil tank. So I went around, did that, put up the pictures and then could you get into this group of clientele and they all chat. They all have their glass of wine and all talk and you get passed around yeah um so it's having that conversation and showing a little bit more than expected i think um it's a tricky one really because i never set out to do the landscaping and the fencing um but it's 
it's something that pays the bills. You know, I wouldn't say my yeah. passion sits in fencing. I'm definitely more of a horticulturalist, yeah. um, gardener than um, a landscaper. Although I advertise these, I wouldn't ever introduce myself as a landscaper. Yeah. So considering you've got such a mix, what obviously seems to be, you know, progressive over time, you've you've moved from one step to the next. Mm. When, when you first became a starting out and you mentioned there that you are, you know, you, you start off by thinking, oh, I'll, I'll just do like the loan rounds and that sort of thing. Mm. What was the hardest point? Like when you actually finished doing your chefing and, you know, you started looking at going over this side of the life, you know, what was the hardest thing that actually got you, you know, through the door? Um... Well, see, for me, the transition from leaving the office work into the gardening happened very quick because um, I managed to, I, I think it was because I was working full time and I got this one job. I went to view a hedge cutting job. I didn't even own a hedge cutter at that point. I went and viewed it and I was just like, oh, OK, I'm going to have to use my wage, my wages now to go out and buy a hedge cutter to do this job. Massively lost out on the job, you know, like I had. I managed to get the job done, but the waste was staying on site and I had to drag it literally saying like 500 yards down a gravel driveway to the bonfire. And it was all Hawthorne. It was all Hawthorne. And it was just like, that was a real, and I had this small set of steps. There was like a step up single step. And I'd scratched all my chest and all my stomach up with this literally two-year-old, dense, hard hawthorn. It was horrendous. And there was a black thorn in there. And if it wasn't that, it would have been Ilex. And it was just horrendous. But that taught me a lesson. (laughs) I wasn't prepared for for that job. But instantly enough, that client actually took me on. And he taught me a very good lesson that I would urge anybody to consider straight off. He asked me if I was interested in general maintenance weekly. I said, yes. He said, how much would I be? And I said, at that time, I said, it would be 20 pounds an hour. And he said, I'll give you 15. And I went, okay. Right. And that was my first mistake because he introduced me to another client. He actually introduced me to his sister who had an even bigger garden than his. Very meticulous lady. I mean, she would have you on your hands and knees cutting the edge of the lawn with scissors you know and you would have a string line out you would have to pick up every single leaf out of it it was it was overly anal it was ridiculous it was regimented but an infinite budget she would come back with a volvo packed with plants every week and i mean packed to the rafters and you would literally struggle in a four acre flower bed to find anywhere to put these plants she was meticulous with it and but of course i had to carry that price on and she recommended me to somebody else and I had to carry that price on. And they recommended me, I had to carry that price on. So you have to start as you mean to get on. So although I was making money and I managed to give up my work and I was very content, I was now stuck in this group of bugger. Now I've got to either put them all up and risk losing them or replace them, gradually upgrade and change and whatever. Yeah. And that's what I ended up having to do because I couldn't risk putting up the price so early on going self-employed and losing all of these clients that I've got. It's strange, but, that, isn't it? That, 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 thought, that thought process there, what you've just mentioned, it's a fear of losing it all over, yeah. over that. Whereas, you know, possibly you could argue now 
you know, if you're going to give that same bit of advice to someone else, you know, at that price range, I could almost promise you, look, you're not going to lose 100%. You know, you're still probably going to, you might lose 20%, but you're probably not going to lose 100 Um mm-hmm. And obviously, I wouldn't want to put my money on that, but because it depends on the clients, obviously. But I think from the way that I've went through this and the way that my price, because my prices have changed. Like I did up my up my prices this year, and I I only fired that out two days ago. Um, mm. But the lesson I kind of learned from it is some will drop off, but if you've been doing enough by yourself, as in like you know, as you said there, like the above and beyond, you've got a bit of character, you know, you get along with them. And you know that you're you're doing as much as you physically can, and you're mm-hmm. you, you know you're confident within yourself that you're worth that little bit more. Then yeah. I truly don't believe that you'll lose, you know. Our ten, and I'm not talking about your customers in this fact, but that I don't think you'd lose a hundred percent over if you're putting that much work in, unless you unless you're very unlucky and you've got some very like you know unfortunate clients that are just going <laughs> to very cutthroat. To it, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. Then like you know possibly so, but you know the. It's just strange that through time moves on, I I wouldn't think twice that if I thought I had to do a price increase, that I would do it, you know. Um, mm. This is the first year. I didn't put anything up for the last two, um, which you might hold a gasp at. But my my clients are quite unique in a sense that if I wanted to go do an extra couple of hours at the weekend, I can most certainly do it. They wouldn't flinch at it. Yeah. So I can work as much as I I need to on the gardens, but I'm also quite unique in the sense of that. I'm not just a gardener. I'm more of an estate manager. Like I say, that today I was uh, putting up some stock fencing for them. A couple of weeks ago, I, I hopped into the one and a half ton digger and I was digging out culverts for them. Um, next week, they're not going to be there, but I'm going to do a bit more stock fencing and redo all the pathways in the veg garden, like resetting the, 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 uh, the slabs yeah um, and then i'll probably prune up the last apple tree which i've got to do which is extremely late but i've been you know doing other things so they've got the real benefit of me managing their whole estate rather than and I, it sounds quite big-headed there aren't a lot of people in the area that could do all these things no. there aren't a lot of people that be willing to do all of these things um it might just be the case that people are only interested in doing the lawns or just interested in doing the hedge cutting, you know, or just doing the apple trees or whatever in their orchard. It's, so you, you kind of make yourself a little bit unique in that sense. That's what I've, that's what I've tried to do. And it's a bonus. I enjoy doing it. I love, I love doing that, all that sort of thing. Well, absolutely. It, it sounds like there's definitely, um, there's definitely the service there, you know, like I spoke about in the past that, you know, you can sort of dial in on what you actually no, find out what you want to do. Is it just hedges that you want to do? Is it just lawn care? Is it being a horticulturist in general? Like, you know, what direction do you want to go down? But being able to turn your hand to most things comes in very handy, I find, because like you say, people do just start asking questions. You hear mm-hmm. you're a tradesman. You're not a handyman, but I mean, it's kind of what you're doing, I suppose. In, yeah, it's it's you a know, very but, fine line. It, yeah. It's 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 difficult because I have been asked to do things like another client I go to a couple of weeks ago. Their their little boy had a birthday, and I ended up putting a punch bag up in one of their car barns and <laughs> basketball hoop up in their courtyard, and because they know that I'm handy and I'm I'm there, 
you know, yeah. I, I'd only just finished building a, um, a temporary horse shelter, which is another video I've got to edit yet. But, you know, they asked me to do these things and I'm somebody that can. I don't mind. But yet they wouldn't phone me up and say, could you come around and rob me drains? Yeah, Would yeah. you <laughs> pop indoors, you know, put a, a coat of emulsion around the, the agar or whatever? You know, they, they know that I'm fundamentally foremost the gardener. But, I mean, only, only Monday, what was it, yesterday, I was help fixing a pellet hopper for their eco-boiler. Right. And I was helping, you know, just sort of do that sort of thing because, you know, I I, I don't mind but they do fundamentally know that I'm there to be the gardener and to, to do those sort of things. So I'm guessing you're, you're, are you a price per visit? Or if you don't mind me asking, how, how you work your... Yeah, price per visit. Um, and then any extra time that I put on there, they have the, the hourly rate that I can put on top. Yeah. So, so, that, so I do both. That's what I was getting at with it there, is the fact that really, the, if as long as you don't mind, I suppose... It's no skin off your nose because you're still walking away with you know, 50, 100, 150 quid. However, however yeah. much you're charging for that visit anyway, for sure. you, you're still coming away with it. And like I say, as long as you don't mind doing it. And another way that I make extra money out of the clients is by using less of my own stuff. And I don't mean this in tools. I will always only ever use my own tools. But on these properties I go to, I will say to them at the beginning of the year, right, um, I'm going to send you an invoice for um, £60 for streamer cord, uh, £40 for, for fluids, so for chainsaw oil, two-stroke oil, or what have you. Um, and I've got one of my cans, and at each of the property, I leave a 10-litre metal can. Right. They go and buy the petrol. They get budgeted, and they send it over to me, and I go buy the the streamer cord and all of the consumables and the, the ties and everything, they remain at that property, but it's not my stuff that I'm dipping into. So I don't have any out of pocket expenditure for those materials. They remain at theirs, but I'm responsible for them. See, that's a clever way to do it because it's as it would be in a company like setting, you're not going to take Uh it home with every night. You know, if you're going there to do a job, it'll come come from of the course, place of work yeah you know? i mean they they i did once have somebody say well you're filling up your streamer cord and going off to the next job and using it i said well yeah but then i'm coming to this job with the streamer cord in it from the last job so yeah. you know so you, you can benefit from it as well because if you go and fill up your mower and you go off to the next job you're automatically quits in so you're earning more money that way yeah. but they're happy about it because you, you don't take the mick with it you know, you don't go and fill up your mower and you're not cutting the grass. You know, it's it's into that um, realms of trust again. So that's another way that I'm not losing, you know, money and I can keep control and I don't have to worry so much about not having something at job. Um, I think one one thing's very clear with it is that, you know, you're talking about here some things that I haven't really thought of in, in the way that you do them. But it works mm. very well for you. It seems like you say you're not a very business-like-minded person, but I think for yourself you are in the fact of not all about the money, but in the way that you work your business to fix your needs. Yeah. It's it, very it's, much on point. I try and think of a practical way of working with things. I mean, I used to speak to this old boy, and he used to go around in a fiesta, 
And he actually went to the local market and he bought a mower for every of his jobs and he left it at the clients and he would just turn up, use his own mower, which was at the clients, generally thrown underneath a tarpaulin down the side alley or whatever. Yeah. And then he would and he encouraged all of his um, clients to have a brown bin. And that's thirty five pounds a year locally here. And it gets collected every fortnight. So that's what I do with all my clients. I don't take waste away. I, I discourage it as much as possible. As I say, I put the inconvenience tax on, but none of my general maintenance customers are. I generally have a bonfire or they have the brown bins and it's cheaper for them. I say, well, I'm going to be charging you 30 quid a visit to take waste away. It might only be one bag, but I'll charge of that, where you can have two of these brown bins and you've got your infinite amount of waste that fits into those. Yeah. But this old boy, he had it down to a T and he, he said, well, I've paid... 20 quid for each of these mowers you know i've i make that on one visit um and then i haven't got to worry about loading in and out the car he had it he was yeah. he, he got it made and then you know he was never gonna he could walk away from that job and leave the mower there and he wouldn't have to worry about it you know it's yeah i just try and think about things in a practical way um that works for me it's, it's, it's very difficult because there's no one one answer for everybody's business yeah, no, no, that's completely right. Um, just speaking about how you you've said a couple of there about machinery, I'm quite interested to know because you obviously and obviously it, there's a lot of that do watch your videos and would have seen, but do you know just talk a bit about the equipment you're using on you know the power tool level between mm. battery and fuel? I'm just thinking a lot more doing you know a lot bigger property, bigger hedges. You know, yeah, is it viable to go battery or are you are you in between? No, um, if I could move everything over to battery tomorrow, I certainly would. Um, uh, because I do landscaping works as well, it's a given that when you're on site, you have to charge your drills. So it's no different for a client to expect you to, you know, be able to plug into their charge points outside um, for your for your head cutters or whatever. If yeah. you can, it, it's all how you deliver it to the client. If you go along to them and say, well. I'm now using battery tools. Um, not only is it going to be more pleasurable experience for you and your neighbours, um, it could be slightly cheaper because I can use your electric to charge one battery while I'm doing it. It's how you deliver it. And if you yeah, definitely. you kind of you put it to them from the off, this is what I mean about setting in stone from the, from the start, they might take a little bit of an insult if you turn up and say, oh, I'm going to use your electric now. <laughs> But if you, if you, you know, if if you say it from the off when you're quoting the job, they're like, oh right, yeah, okay. You say, oh yeah, I'm using battery now because not only is it quieter, um, it's more economical, it's better for me because I can work a little bit, you know, less fatigue or it's you know um, environmentally. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't generally have a problem with it. You know, I've not come across anybody yet who would who sucked in their their lips because you say, can I plug this in for 20 minutes? Yeah. It's kind of a given. When I first started, people would say, oh, well, let me know when you come in and we'll leave the window open so you can put your, your power cord through the window, expecting yeah. me to turn up with a fly mat. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think, <laughs> with, especially with how people are seeing with fuel prices going at the moment, it's definitely, our hands are going to be forced more than... Um, you know wanting to go over to it i think that's going to be how it's going to go for a lot of people but 
going back to your first uh, first point about battery, um, I was quite fortunate a couple of years ago where I had a company called Swift approach me um, through YouTube and they sent me a load of domestic stuff. Okay. And uh, they wanted me to review it. And there was a pole chainsaw, a hand chainsaw, or a strimmer. I had four different types of mowers. Um, what else was there? Uh, two different types of hedge cutters. Um, and it ranged, the, one of the mowers was 120 volt, and then the other bits were 40 volts. And I was really impressed with it for a domestic brand. I thought, wow, if a domestic brand hedge cutter can perform like this. Yeah then the pro stuff is going to be absolutely marvellous. Um, I haven't tried as much of it as I would like. I've hardly touched any of the steel, if I'm honest. Thus far, no, I haven't, I've only had it in my hand, but I've not really had it on a job. Most yep. of my stuff so far has been the, um, the Echo bits, um, which I'm still to do a release, a review on the hedge cutter I've got. But I, I haven't come across anything yet that... I've vowed on one of my videos that I definitely won't use petrol again on any of my topiary hedging. Anything like Buxus or Taxus. Yeah. I won't yeah. use I won't use petrol tools again. I can't see a need for it. No. The uh the battery is more than adequate. The the, the speed on the, the blades is fantastic. The longevity is perfect. Because um, something that I found with battery, um it's because you work so differently with it. You can work quicker because you're not getting so fatigued from it. Um, and it's not till you use battery in comparison. I did a video a while back where I was using ba- uh, battery and petrol at the same time on two hedges on the same job. And it's not till you put the petrol hedge cutter down and move the ladder, you hear it ticking over. And you think, yeah. cool, that tick is money disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> you know like that's yeah. like leaving your engine running while you, you nip indoors you think oh that's wasting out there yeah um and then you take your hand off of the trigger for for the battery stuff and that's it you're instantly saving money again yeah yeah so i have no hesitation that if you can have access or a good supply of batteries that it's definitely the way to go the only downfall for it is blowers the technology there is not it's not there for blowers yet it's uh yeah it sucks it's far too much i i use the um i bought the 525 ib i believe it is the husqvarna blower and although it's like it's efficient in a lot of the you know light maintenance blowing off paths that sort mm-hmm. of thing um you know sh- short short bursts of use you know i haven't used any of the backpack battery stuff but I, i'm not quite sure if that's there yet um, but it's definitely that it requires so much power that that's kind of where it falls out a little bit. I think on some of them bigger items, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. But mm. even even on that, that the husky I've got, it's you know it's in the van all the time because it weighs nothing, it takes up no space. You know what I mean? But you know, I've st- I've still got my my fuel version. So you know, I'm hoping to try a bit more of you know other brands this year if possible and see, see kind of where that goes because at the minute i've doubled a lot in the battery versions of uh husqvarna mm. but but that that that's been as far as i've went you know so um, yeah but there is I mean, a uh, difference yeah i mean i started out as i say with the um the swift stuff um i used a dewalt hedge cutter because all my drills are dewalt and that i was 
I was happy with. Um, it didn't quite have the the RPM that I would have liked for it, but they never aimed it at people like me. You know, no. it was for for somebody like a homeowner, but you're still a good. You know, still done the job. Yeah. Um, I've never. I'd say it's probably one of the mistakes I made in the beginning was cheap tools. I mean, I did a video about this long time ago where i bought a titan hedge cutter you know one of these multi-tools yeah i don't know if you saw the video sam but i i chat about this thing and this thing basically melted when i was cutting this hedge with the pole the pole hedge cutter on it it melted the plastic burnt through my trousers and started cooking my love plums no. and you know <laughs> And if I didn't have my keys in my pocket, I, 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 I certainly wouldn't have had my little boy. Yeah. But I ended up taking this thing back to screw fix and I just sort of flew it at them and said, look, this isn't fit for purpose and uh, showed them the, the damage that it had done to my trousers and through. It yeah. literally melted. And I did spend quite a bit of money on poor tools when I first, I, if I was to give any advice, I'd say buy the best you can afford yeah um it, it's one of those things but brand wise i i'm i'm not a slave to any particular brand obviously there's the big ones that stand out for everybody but i've always had the mindset of use a tool that's good for you for what your purpose is see um for me i don't do as much lawn mowing as somebody else so i mean i've got a a hater 56 bbc um it's the domestic model but i went for that before the they brought out the new commercial ones yeah because the new commercial ones have got the blade the blade break control on them where they didn't have it at that time so i went for the domestic model but that was mostly i went for hater because that's what my nan had <laughs> you know and right. i was going back to the idealistic and i thought that would look nice in photos that would look nice yeah. you know on that beautiful green lawn um but i could probably get away with a cheaper mower and a smaller mower because i'm not you know most of the lawns i'm doing are probably on the tractor mower now anyway um but I will use a tool which I find better for, for me, better suited for me. I don't stick to one brand at all. No, um, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is you're going to have a preference somewhere along the line, and you know, at the end of the day, you're the you're the unless you you know you got multiple um, employees and you know they've all got to say because they're hands on the tool all the time, then that's a bit different, but at the end of the day, you're using it and you're using it for a lot of hours and something like a hedge trimmer or something like that. It can be days, you know, that you're rep, uh, repeatedly using the same tool for nonstop. Yeah. So you've got to be comfortable it, with it. It can be quite difficult because we, we touched on the battery side of things and this is where it can become difficult because with battery, you're going to commit to a brand because of the cost of the battery. And this is the thing with the, the echo stuff that I've got is that the batteries aren't cheap like you know because i mean you bargain hunt for yours like you said and you sell you, you you'll search for the marketplace and see if you can pick up extra ones yeah definitely. which is a great way of doing it but if you've got, only got two items of steel then you're committing to the battery and you can't really justify going out and then buying um another brand of um you know battery tools it, it doesn't make sense but um 
it's a tricky one, but you've got that freedom with with petrol tools. You're not held down to one thing. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. I would like to see everything go over, but I'd like to see a bit more compatibility, you know, interchanging. I'd yeah. like to see, you know, but I don't think it will ever happen because it's not economical for the manufacturers. They want to tie you down to a brand. Yeah, it's, it's a massive buy-in for them, isn't it, at the end of the day? It's sure. how they play the Monopoly, but I fully agree. If there was an adapter out there that, you know, let you switch between, then then why not, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, I can't, as you've said, I really can't imagine that they'll ever make a universal battery. Um, no, it would have to be some sort of backpack form where you would have a coupling which would go into the original one and then you would have an interchangeable backpack where you could have it because it wouldn't ever go into the main unit. You know, it would no. have to be some sort of adapter to a backpack which then had a different adapter on it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, but it's something that people have to think long and hard about. I mean, when I first started, still wasn't a, a name to me. Husfana wasn't a name. Echo wasn't a name. I went to Screwfix and I bought, you know, I, I bought the tools that my grandparents were would have used. Yeah, uh, I, I do. I do find it a little bit sad in the sense that people do reach for power tools before hand tools a bit more now. Um, I think it's mainly because people are in and out. You know, time is money. Get yeah. in, get the job done quick as possible. Where me, I could be a bit more methodical with it. Um, so I can take my time sh- trimming up some shrubs with the shears. Yeah. Um, you know, I can use the, the scissor edge pruners on the lawn edges rather than getting the strimmer out. Um, it, it's quite unique in that sense, but uh, it, it, it's a, almost a, a lost form. But as we say, it's everybody's different with their business. I'm a bit I'm quite privileged with my time that I can spend with my clients to do these things and I can work in a very different way to everybody else it's it's quite I don't want to say unique because there will be other people but it's very different isn't it yeah it is especially like you say the way things are moving forward and the fact that as you touched on earlier on with social media everything's so out there and everyone's seen it you know how, how often are we seeing videos or other YouTubers you know doing these things where they're whipping around, you know, you see it a lot in America and Australia where mm. they're whipping around huge, uh, huge properties, you know, with, with the strimmer flipped over, you know, making lovely curly, sh- uh, curvy, sharp, like, uh, yeah. you know, old, old layers of the lawns and stuff. And, you know, you, you see it and you think, oh, I'll do that, you know what I mean? And, and I'll give it a go. And once mm. you start doing it and you start finding out how much quicker it is, you kind of just get, get stuck to it. I mean, I haven't, I think, ever, taking actual shares to to an old, to a lawn edge for a client. Um, mm. I, I think I've always done it, you know, a mechanical way in some way, shape or form. But it's, you're right, it, it is. It's slowly, slowly disappearing to the domestic market yeah. or to those that just don't have the tools with them at the time. I think this is where I might appeal a little bit to my clientele as well, because the properties are quite tranquil. You know, generally you, you'll get disturbed by a cow you know, moving a bit loudly in the field <laughs> over, or, you know, or the farmer labbering off the 12 gauge, you know, um, where I'm there, they don't really want to hear at all, all the time. So yeah. as battery comes in, that's, that could be more of a swaying point that I might move over a little bit more and not use like 
the shears or whatever. But um, I, yeah, I mean, it's a traditional, traditional way for myself. I think it's. Um, I, I feel a bit more. It sounds very corny, but I sound a bit more in a bit more at one with the garden when I'm connected with hand tools rather than a mechanical tool as such. It's, it's yeah. I, th- I think it's either one of those things that you either get or you don't. But that's where my passion is different well, from the businessman in me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say with it. Though it is very much of that nature, you know. No. To be able to do it for a living and and be fully invested in it, you need to have something about, you know, about you that relates mm. to that. I don't think you could, or you'd be very unhappy if you were if you were doing it, you know, and and you weren't enjoying it and you didn't feel that way about the the space you are working in. Let's call it. So, it's I, I do feel grand- that it fits. Yeah, my old granddad said to me, "You'll never work a day in your life if you enjoy what you do." Yeah. And it's true, you know, it's um, I don't don't really see it as getting up to go to work because I enjoy it, you know. Um, Yeah, if I stopped enjoying it, I would stop doing it. You know, I I don't think this is a trial run. You know, this isn't a trial run for us. We've, you know, got to enjoy our time. You know, uh, nobody's certain of what happens after this. No. And I think it it just shows, doesn't it? Be sort of passionate about what you're doing, and if you are, then really invest in it in the way that you know suits by you. And as I think, what we've basically picked up over this podcast is there's so many ways to do each individual thing within this line of work. Whether you are doing the harder landscape and the soft landscape and whatever it might be, you know, it's got to be right by you and no one else, really. You know, as you say, you've got to be enjoying what you're doing, and I think. That's overly what this is about. It's about you being happy doing all these things, even if it's at you know a home domestic level and it's a hobby. It's mm. about enjoying it. It's not about you know putting all these barriers in the way where you're trying to over impress to the point where you you know it doesn't sit well with you anymore. Yeah. So, Fundamentally, I like just standing back and going, "I've done a thing. I've done something which is going to impact somebody else's life in a in a positive way." So and you get you can get a lot of in any sense of I mean it's, it's the same with yourself. You go and develop a lawn. You you put in that uh, that beautiful stripe for them, and you know you're giving the customer a nice thing. That's yeah. fundamentally you can get the fizz from it. That's that's what it doesn't matter what anybody else says. That's what you should focus on. That's <laughs> that's the the crux of it. You've got to enjoy what you do. Yeah, I've I've always said that as well. Like it's, you know, the bit that I really personally take away from it is with the whole lawn side of things, and even, you know, the garden that I do as well, is that you can walk into areas where, like, they don't even want the kids to play because you know there's, you know, it's a, it's an absolute wreck, whatever it might be, or the lawn's just not. They don't want to invite the friends over because it just looks a state. And yeah. I know that you know you give me four weeks working on this property, you know. You'll be you'll be over the moon. It'll be something that you want to showcase rather than anything else. So you know, in seeing that reaction afterwards, when they see the progression and whether it is you've you know renovated a lawn or you know you've just done a big tidy up job for them, you know you you see it on their face when they first walk out when they see you're done. And for me, that's what I love about it. it it's them, you know. No, every time every customer I've had, they've always been very um, appreciative. 
and that sort of feedback that instant feedback that you get is mm-hmm. is is pretty rich to me you know that that like i said that that makes it for me and yeah, uh for sure and uh, it, it seems that that's aligned within yourself as well. But um, mate, I'm very conscious on time here. So I'm just going to ask you the easiest question that's at the end of all my interviews. And how can people find you on this po- uh, on your social media pages? Um, well, if they're on the Instagram, it's under uh, the Country Cottage, uh, Country Cottage Gardens, I think. I believe it is. <laughs> um, let me just have a check. See, I've never had to search myself. Yeah, have a look. Uh, off. Oh, uh, uh, the Country Cottage Gardener I'm on Instagram as, which is actually also my Facebook channel as well, the Country Cottage Gardener. Um, nearly hitting that 3,000 subscriber mark. I think I'm at uh, 2,700. Been doing it for a, oh, about two, two and a half years, I would have thought, on there now. But it's taken me quite a while to find my feet and uh, the way that I want to to do it. make the videos and uh yeah i like i like having a bit of fun with the editing i think my I, the most fun i had was the uh superman jump coming out the sky that was uh, that was that was quite a good one for me absolutely and I, I can't believe i almost forgot as well i just want to congratulate you for anyone that is listening now and they haven't checked out chris's channels here uh the country cottage gardener he's just hit five hundred thousand, so half a million views on youtube as well so there's a lot of great content there to sit down and watch and, you know, learn from as well because, you know, you are very methodical in the way that you work and it is a great watch. So mm-hmm. I, I would urge anyone that isn't doing so to go over there and subscribe and check it out. Um, but uh, no, no, it's fantastic stuff. Um, I I really appreciate you coming on, Chris. Um, is that the only channels that you've got there, the Facebook, Instagram and YouTube? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got my my Facebook one, but to be honest, that's kind of my work one. I don't really interact on there very much. Yeah. Um, I kind of only put up the projects on there now because I don't really need the maintenance. This is the whole thing with my selective marketing that I do. I don't really need the maintenance. I don't push those jobs out, but I don't interact on there so much. But if there's any professional gardeners and landscapers um, who want to join a Facebook group, there's plenty out there, but... Um, the professional gardeners and landscape page is run by myself and a fellow YouTuber, Jason Gardner. Um, we welcome everybody in the profession. As long as you're in the trade, we, uh, we welcome you all. And there's no such thing as a silly question, only a silly answer on the page. Yeah. Um, but we, we kind of keep it without advertising. We're keeping it quite neutral and we want people to offer their own, advice on tools and products and services we it's not a group where we we've tried to keep um suppliers out as such yeah um and people wanting to sell stuff and things like that we don't want it to be that type of group we want it to be a discussion where they can feel safe to ask questions and not feel ridiculed because i've been on many facebook groups and you kind of get that sense in some places that you're going to get Ugh, this guy's a, a moron because he's asking this question yeah it's, yeah it's, you know it, it doesn't need to be like that at all like you say this community needs to be a bit tighter i think there's a big community in the states and unfortunately i don't feel that you i don't know why but it, it doesn't feel there i don't know whether people just see each other as competition or sometimes i feel that people can't be happy for other people's achievements, which is a yeah. bit sad. 
Yeah, and it needs a bit more uh, corny, but it needs a bit more love. Yeah, definitely, I'll, I'll definitely vouch for you on that. Um, that with the group as well as I have seen on other groups, and I've mentioned this before that there's a, there's almost a bit of slander to an extent of when someone puts up, you know, some of the work, and that just mm. hasn't been the case. And you know, across Instagram as well, it, you know, the community over there for especially the lawn care side of things is brilliant. It's very tight, but the professional group that you have going is fantastic. And for anyone that is thinking about joining it or they just need a helping hand and you, you don't feel like you've got very much as I did when I f- started through this is I had no one to mentor off everyone that I seek mm. advice from was all online, you know, like there's mm. no one close to me around this area or in person. So through groups like the one that you've, you're running very successfully, um, you know, you can get a long way and you can, you can boost your own confidence a lot. So, you know, definitely check that out and that's on facebook and that's the professional gardeners is it called professional gardeners and landscapers there we go yeah so no fantastic chris well thank you very much for joining me tonight um i really appreciate you jumping on and spending your time talking through all that i would love to have you on again because i feel like there's there is a lot more that i think we could probably run off and talk about you know yeah generally (laughs) i'm Um, sorry i've gone on a tangent i did i did warn you that i can go off in uh, strange directions but you know, this is, I, I, I think I said to you once before, I had considered doing my own podcast before you'd done yours because there's not many. Most of the ones are very flat cap and tweed jackets or podcasts for gardeners, and it's not yeah. really speaking on the business level. But sadly, because I run another business as well, I don't really have time. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad that you're stepping up and doing it. But as I say, I'm sorry, I've gone on a bit of a tangent sometimes. No, honestly, I think as as I always mention, this is uh, exactly what this is for. I don't ever want to keep too much of a formal routine, and it, it is uh, just for the natural conversations and people get to hear things firsthand, and people are getting to know you, Chris. You know, if they didn't know it already, then they know now that you know you've got a lot of experience, and that's all it is: is that you've got you know so much to share and knowledge within the backgrounds of what you're doing. That you know, it's it's fantastic information. So by all means, never stop what you're doing and. I would, you know, I wouldn't count it as a tangent, but more just sharing your experience, mate. So thank you for that. Pleasure, Sam. Thank you. Perfect. Right. Well, you take care, mate, and we'll catch up again soon. All the best now. Thank you. Cheers. Right then, everyone. So thank you very much for joining us on that podcast. That was episode number 39. So like I say, uh, we're creeping in on that 40 mark, what just seems like forever ago that we started. Um, But yeah, thanks for tuning in week in, week out, uh, as the subscribers and the views are slowly but surely going up. So tune in next week where it'll be probably a bit more of a simplistic episode with just myself talking, but we will be carrying on these interviews throughout the whole year. So anyway, thanks for tuning in and catch you again next week.